0: at 206 4220 I got something for your mind, body, and soul. podcast bill happy generic time of day to you thank you blue canary for your sponsorship you as a uh, listener of this podcast can also support the show through patreon i am sitting here with the lovely rachel james about to have our second rendition of our conversation because once again this tech tar did not hit record Rachel. <laughs> How are you?
1: I'm I'm great. I'm gonna do my best to be brilliant a second time. <laughs> yes. I,
0: I apologize for um that first performance being so good and not ca- capturing it.
1: Oh no it's, it's, not, it's all good.
0: I funny story. It's not so funny because I should be able to hit record. That's okay. <laughs> that's the most basic thing <laughs> to this position. But uh yeah, I've done it quite a few times. Um Dow Constantine, Howard Schultz. Um, talked to him for hours and oh, no. never hit record. And uh, you're in rare air with uh, five or six other people that uh, <laughs> had conversations with me that never aired.
1: For your ears only.
0: Yes. Well, I enjoyed our first conversation, yes. and <laughs> we'll try to float through this fake conversation the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel has a film that she wrote, directed, and starred in called Ingress, which was entirely shot on Bainbridge Island. We have been talking about this uh, sci-fi movie that um, is her first baby, right? Your first pet project that you've completely owned from start to finish? For sure, yeah. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah. And you are... Um, Tell anybody about an LA transplant. Yeah, and uh, been on the island for for half a decade. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell me, uh, it's gonna be hard for me to find new questions. Now. <laughs> <laughs> tell me um, what ingress means and um, why you thought this was a project that you wanted to tackle.
1: Sure. So ingress means an um, in opening, a doorway, a way in. It's uh, for me, it's evocative of um, the opening between realities. So it's a sci fi film that I wrote um, about a woman who can move between parallel versions of her life. So um, the title, I think it it evokes that sort of sense of an opening and a moving through. So that's where that comes from. Um, As far as why this project, I don't know exactly, except that sometimes ideas just pop into my head. And in the case of this script, it was just this one scene I had that actually didn't even make it into the final movie, but had this vision of a a little kid sitting in a foster home. And uh, it's noisy and chaotic. And then you see her kind of close her eyes and she opens them and she's in this room that's completely still and like pristine and quiet. And she just kind of smiles. And I was like, well, that's an interesting scene. I wonder what that could be. (laughs) And then I just kind of start like it kind of builds on itself. Um,
0: So like a paradigm theory that you, you work backwards from that scene.
1: Kind of, except that ended up being the very first scene. Hmm. So in that case, I kind of worked forward, but it doesn't always come in a linear fashion, but sometimes it's like what I've found a lot of writers will, they'll go through an extensive outlining process where they'll be like, I'm going to beat it out from beginning to end. I'm going to know exactly where I'm going. And I've written like that when I, was hired to write scripts because they want to see those treatments and those outlines. But I actually find for myself, it kind of stifles the creativity a little bit. And also I think there's things that I discover when I just let myself write, like free write, that I would have never thought to put in an outline because I had no idea it was going there. But then when it goes there, it's like, oh yeah, that that feels right. I wonder, oh, that's interesting. And then I'll take it in a whole other way. So I like to give myself that freedom to just kind of play. And then you can always go back and edit. And that's the beauty of it.
0: <laughs> so- you take it you put on quite a few hats in this as director, writer, and actor. Yeah. Um, where where does your strongest talent lie, I guess?
1: That's a good question. I think in a funny way, these three so directing, writing, acting, I think they really feed each other. Mm-hmm. So it's something I've always wanted to do. I've I've done all three of these things on short films before I've written and produced and acted I've directed, but not acted. And I wanted to try doing all three because I, in my years of doing all these three different things in whatever ways I do them, I find that, you know, being a writer makes me a better actor. Being an actor makes me a much better director mm-hmm. and being a director makes you a better writer when you're writing for film, because you just start to see things from all these different perspectives. And when you're writing dialogue, you start to think about, well, what I, would I say it like that or, that no one speaks like that. Like it just it gives you a context mm. when you're because you're kind of putting yourself in behind and everywhere. Um, so I feel like that as I've gotten stronger in each of these roles, I've gotten stronger in the others. If that makes sense, I think yeah, they kind totally. of are very synergistic.
0: Yeah, and insightful too. Um, one leads to another, and and you're a singer, correct? The yeah. um, first came in came to know you in Lizzie with Indie Theater and Jesse Smith. Uh, Shout out to Jesse and uh, Shannon Dowling, who also is a contributor to the podcast quite often. Um, Let me back up a little bit to Lizzie because that was sold out performances that just absolutely rocked. And um, you did an incredible job.
1: Thank you.
0: How did you get connected into that little world?
1: Yeah. So indie theater, um, I got, they were basically the first company I got involved with after, um, good choice doing the, uh, 10 minute play festival with island theater. Um, I met Shannon Dowling through that. And then she took me to see an indie theater show and I met Tom and Matt and I really liked what they were doing. Um, and then you know, being me because I just can't help myself when Tom said, Oh, we do passion. We do people's passion projects. I was like, well, I'm one of those. I have one of those. Maybe I'm passionate. <laughs> don't do that. So I pitched them the last five years, which is a play that I've always loved. And I did in college and I, I'd, I'd wanted to play the role of Kathy again, now that I was older mm-hmm. and I felt like I had a little bit more life experience to put behind that character and Shannon directed it. Jesse Smith came in and played the, my co co character, um, co-star, co-star. Um, and so that was a, just a great experience. And then I, I kind of stayed connected with them. And Jesse looped me in for Lizzie, which I'd never heard of this musical. I didn't even know Lizzie Borden. Seriously? I somehow missed the whole Lizzie Borden mythology growing up. Everyone else seems to have, you know, Lizzie Borden. Took, and I, I didn't know any of it. But Go ahead, sing heard, that for me. No, I that was a plenty, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lizzie. Yeah. So creepy. But anyway, when I heard Pretty the good. music for that, I was like, my God, this play is awesome. <laughs> It was was. so flattered to be asked to play that role. And I had such a good time diving into that crazy twisted mind of hers and just the power and the hurt and all that. It's just an incredible character, an incredible play.
0: Yeah. And that was your first jump into theater around here?
1: Um, No. So the last five years was first. And then I did their um, Under Milkwood the museum oh yeah yeah and then and then covid and then lizzie <laughs> lizzie was originally slated to go before covid and then obviously that didn't happen um but it was you know it was perfect
0: god how long was long ago was that two years
1: it was last october oh, okay yeah and then we did it again we revamped it in uh ballard in april oh yeah and we did a second run of it yeah how'd that, how'd that go It was good. It definitely gave me an appreciation for Matt and Tom. I mean, producing that show is a lot of work. So we were producing it this time around and also doing all the, you know, performing work. So it was great. It was a really cool venue we did at the Ballard Underground, which is now called The Give In, which is a burlesque co op. Um, So it's a really cool vibe for this show.
0: A burlesque co op. So multiple.
1: Burlesque.
0: People are. Using the, In the space. same space,
1: yeah.
0: It's hard to find one, let alone two. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Chalinor and Matthew Eldridge from Indie Theater, friends of the podcast, and incredible um, friends of mine. And they do a terrific job. Tell me about uh, some of the places that you shot this movie at, and the difficulties and the things that you enjoyed about shooting on Bainbridge Island.
1: Ah. Oh. I mean, shooting here was a dream. It's just such a beautiful place to shoot. We we got great weather. We got really lucky. Just some lovely mist on the days we needed it and no heavy rain. Beautiful. Um, we shot in the Grand Forest. We shot down at Fay Bainbridge Park. We shot downtown um, Winslow at the museum, uh, the apothecary and tea shop outside the bookstore, the library, um, and then a couple of houses on the island. Um I mean, difficulties, I would say we we were on a micro, 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 micro budget, which meant, you know, that always makes the schedule really tight. So we had long days and we had to get through a ton of stuff. And so if you hit any snags, you're like, well, we get one take of this. Hope it's good. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple of those. um, but. I felt like there was just good vibes around this project because we got so lucky and we ended up getting everything we need. No major, you know, issues. Um, The crew was incredible. People that, you know, we hired and we'd never met or worked with turned out to be just insanely good at their jobs and wonderful to work with. And all the interns and everyone in the community who came to be a part of it, it just had like a great energy. Um, So it was challenging. I mean, wearing all those hats was a lot. I bet. Were you
0: stressed? Some days. Does it? Uh, bleed into your acting?
1: It, you know, I I feel like because... So I had two of the people I brought in that are not local, or my producing partner, Sienna, and she and I have worked together for a really long time, and I just trust her implicitly. And she was our first AD and kind of our line producer on set. And then my cinematographer, Dan Clark, who I knew from LA, we'd done some projects together. He actually lives in Illinois now, but he came out... um it's a
0: weird place to live.
1: His family's all there. <laughs> and his wife's a professor at the college, so... Um, but anyway, because I had them, you know, I really entrusted them with a lot. And I had a shorthand with Sienna that kind of developed a certain point where I would say, you know, there are d- different kinds of days. There are days where I feel like I'm driving the train. There are days where I'm, I'm a passenger on the train. And then there's days where I'm running behind the train. And ideally I'm driving the train as the director of this, mm-hmm. uh movie. But I did. So sometimes I, I'd come in, I'd say, Sienna, I'm having a running behind the train Moment. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I am. And she would just be like, go step outside, have a breath. Like we got this, it's all good. And and we just kind of, we'd move forward. So I don't feel like it impacted negatively. Any of the scenes, we all kind of just like, we like pulled it together and did what we, what we had to do, you know, but in those moments between sometimes it was a little, where am I, what are I doing? Overthinking what's it happening? Bit. Yeah. It's hard not to, you know, or people are stressed or, you know, there's just a lot of things to manage.
0: What was the scene at the apothecary? Because I'm a big uh, Shit's Creek fan, <laughs> and that's where I kind of learned about apothecaries. Oh, uh, and that shop. Yeah.
1: Uh, what so did that
0: scene. There's look a
1: long like? scene. Um, so we shot in the tea shop portion. Um, yeah. It's like one of the longest scenes in the movie. It's a, it's a, a date sort of between the two main characters where they meet up and kind of. Connect and talk about all of their kind of history and what brought them here. And um, it was all just in that corner table right by the window where okay. you see the cars driving by. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, you use local actors. Um, can you name a few that yeah. you may know?
1: Yeah. So we had Barbara Deering. Um, we had Chris Soldavia. Stud. We, stud. Yep. Totally. We had uh, John Ellis in a, in a cameo with uh, Nobel. His, his stepdaughter who played Young Me. Um, we actually do look a lot alike. I was watching her on video and I was like, <laughs> whoa, that's crazy. Um, who else did we have? We had um a lovely woman named Camille uh Campbell, who's from Seattle, and Christopher Clark, who's um he was in Indie theater's most recent show. Um, he's also from Seattle. And then Christina Uloa, who lives on Bainbridge, uh played a cameo. If I'm forgetting anyone, I'm so sorry. I think I named everyone. <laughs> oh, Justine Stillwell, she had a cameo. Um
0: So tell us a little bit about the story. Okay. You wrote it. I did. Go into the source here.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically the, the crux of the story is um a woman who when she was a child, she sort of inexplicably started finding herself shifting between different versions of her life and she wasn't in control of it. So it just happened to her. Sometimes she'd be sitting at school or something and all of a sudden she'd be in a different version of school. Um, and so when she was a kid, it was kind of this cool thing that she just like embraced as kids to do. Um, but then as she got older and became a teenager, it started getting a little bit more complex. And at a certain point, um, and this is the scene Nobel plays beautifully. Uh, she slips into a reality where her parents are dead. um, And then she's not able to get back to a reality where they're alive. And this causes kind of like a mental breakdown for her. And uh, she ends up in foster care and she ends up then finding a therapist who helps her learn to sort of shut all that down and stay in one reality and control it. And it's done. And so then for years, she's just kind of living in this carefully controlled reality, very afraid that she could possibly slip again and, she ends up marrying um, a man, and they're married for six years. Um, and we pick up the story at the top of the movie when her husband passes away. And in her grief dealing with that, she starts to find herself slipping again, and she's not able to control it. Um, and at that point, she comes together with this other character who uh, – he's a spiritual channel. Do you know what that is?
0: Uh, I can imagine what it is. What is it to you?
1: Um it's so there's a couple of famous examples of like uh, Esther Hicks, who channels uh, this entity called Abraham. And uh, there's another guy named Daryl Inca who channels this entity called Bashar. And essentially they'll do they'll write books, they'll do retreats and seminars for people. And it's, a, it's you know, it's bringing through kind of like a context and a support from these other dimensional beings is kind of the concept behind it. So Daniel in my movie is one of these channels and he channels an entity called Lucas Um, and Riley and Daniel come together um, at this point when she's starting to slip and uh, he's having ongoing doubts about his own sanity. And is is this voice he's hearing just schizophrenia? Is it mental illness or is it actually, you know? So they come together and and, uh, it's kind of a journey about how they both come to a place of self-acceptance and her being able to release and let go of the past while also moving between different realities and kind of finding their way into a relationship with each other.
0: And they have a similar condition.
1: Um, It's not the same, Um, but he he's able to kind of meet her where she is in a sense Um, because Lucas who speaks through him kind of connects with Riley to help her learn to surrender to these episodes again and, and kind of, have her own experience, which is the same thing he's kind of grappling with in his own way. How to surrender to these voices, surrender to this sort of fr- experience that other people would think is weird or crazy, but just to trust in it and like follow it.
0: Sounds awful. Like, <laughs> I would hate to have to deal with massive demons in my head, or not, not necessarily demons, but things that I couldn't control or be in charge of, I guess.
1: But isn't that like the human condition, right? It's like we all want, think we're in control. We all like to be in control, yeah. but we're not. yeah. Not. And like, aren't we at our happiest when we can just like surrender and see where we go? <laughs> so, yeah. and where, it's core. It's kind of takes about you. that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Gosh, I kind of get better at that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Hence the script.
0: <laughs> and is this a script that you were thinking about for a long, long time or did it just kind of have an epiphany one day and say this is what's in my ma- mind right now and i need to write it down
1: yeah i kind of dropped in um just a little bit before i moved up here um not fully formed but just little pieces of it that then i started to flesh out and then when i moved up here and i was in this setting it kind of all came clear like it takes place here i want to shoot it here um it draws on certain aspects of experiences I've had and, and things I've interacted with as well as just things that I was interested in, you know, diving into.
0: We were talking before I uh, realized that I hadn't hit record. <laughs> you felt like this island has been very welcome, welcoming in a celluloid fashion. Um, can you speak upon that a little bit? Like,
1: Oh, yeah. Um, you I mean,
0: arrive one day on a boat.
1: You arrive on a boat. Um, yeah, I think I've just been continually blown away by the generosity of this community, how, you know, there's not many communities that I've been in where I feel like what draws people together is art. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really special thing. And I feel it everywhere in terms of people just their love of the arts and the way they're supporting art, whether it's through their own artistic expression or through supporting other people's artistic expression. Um and just to be in a place where so many people and so much focus is on creativity and art is just, it's a very inspiring place to be and to be creating any kind of art.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to listen to people's ideas and, and visions and, and see what they're doing because art comes in so many different ways. I just, yeah, you know, I think I stumbled upon you on Instagram, I think, and I was like, putting two and two together and I was like, Oh, a girl from Lizzie. Yeah. Oh, she knows so-and-so. And And then she got this project. This project seems kind of cool. you were kind of piecemealing it out on social media. And I was just like, Oh, I recognize that place. That's the grand forest, stuff like that. And what did I want to do? I wanted to immediately support what you're doing and find out what you're doing and, you know, kind of champion it a bit and say, this is cool. If somebody's taking a major risk, putting a hundred percent of your name on it. It's um
1: very vulnerable, <laughs> yeah,
0: which um can be a scary place, but it also can be a place where, like you speak of, people pick you up and rally around you and wanna see you succeed and i I feel like i I definitely want to see you succeed. I think. I think. What what little I've seen of the film so far is is impressive, and I can't wait to see more.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested if uh, it, how you absorb it as someone who's not really into sci-fi. You know, if it's a story yeah. that still grabs you. You know, because I I'm always interested in that in terms of because I do think this film is a bit of a genre blender. Like sci-fi is a nice hat to dump it under, but it's not sci-fi in the way that I think most people think of sci-fi, like Star Trek or.
0: Yeah, you or know, aliens or stranger it's things. It's very
1: grounded. It's very earth earthy and earth-based and based in uh, just a different a different feel.
0: Um so how how and why would you define it sci-fi then?
1: Because I think when you're talking about things like the multiverse and parallel realities and that just feels like to me it falls in the category of science fiction. It is science, quantum physics, it is also fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know, I think that these genres their definitions become more and more broad the more people play within them, right? Right. Horror, thriller, sci-fi, drama, comedy, dramedy. You know, like there's so many blends and variations.
0: hmm I just watched that zombie movie with Jamie Foxx. And uh, I'm like not a zombie guy and not a gamer. And I could see how Killing Zombie Game became a, a movie, but then the movie started to look like what I perceived a game to do, but then it was blended in Jamie Foxx's comedy. Right. You know, it was, it was just a mess, like you say. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that made it enjoyable. It was a, it was a fun ride and it's a movie I n- never thought I would watch. Right. You know Woody Harrelson's probably one of my favorite actors and, uh, I never saw Zombieland. I had no interest in it.
1: Zombieland's kind of funny too. It's kind of the same. It's like a comedy zombie thriller yeah,
0: so I'm gonna have to, have to it check it out, it out now, out. <laughs> um, as well as your movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, what brought you to the island in the first place?
1: Um, wanted a change. Um, I kind of hit a wall about three years or two years before we ended up moving here, where I just LA was just draining me, and I didn't realize how unhappy I would become living there, and it became such a fixation on needing to become successful in a very specific way. And feeling like it could only do that there. Hmm. So I kind of had this revelation that like being happy and living somewhere that like nurtures you probably is the thing that seeds and grows whatever success or creativity you're going to have in your life. It's not the other way around because I tried it. Um, my parents live in Port Townsend now. They've been here about 15 years. Oh, okay. So my husband and I have been coming up through Bainbridge visiting them so we'd always get on the ferry we'd go to harbor public house and have a beer and then drive up to port townsend and so when we started thinking about be nice to live closer to them and we really like this area port townsend's a little farther away from the city and everything than we'd want to be um and my mom just over drinks one night was like well what about bainbridge what about bainbridge and then like three days later i was like hey devin would you move to bainbridge with me and he was like okay (laughs) I thought it'd be a big fight, and then like six months later, we here we are.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, is he in the field as well?
1: He's in peripheral field, so he's done marketing and music and tech, and he was a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter on the island for a couple of years when we first lived here, and so he's very eclectic. But he's definitely a supporter, and he understands, and he's helped me with music supervision, and he was our COVID compliance officer on set.
0: I'm I'm thrown off with the volunteer firemen statement. Is, is that something that's still going on on the island or did they get rid of that program because I felt like during COVID we had a shortage of firefighters because they were becoming ambulance paramedic drivers and such and we didn't seem to have a volunteer system that I could see outwardly. Um
1: so there was um they may be phasing it out now, but it's been there since we've been here. Um, not on like a massive scale, but they've had, you know, a handful of volunteers.
0: Yeah. Cause I know the fire department, um, they have a teaching ground over there off day road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what made your, huh, we're going off on a different tangent here. <laughs> what made your uh, partner want to be a volunteer fireman?
1: Uh, he, it's something he'd always wanted to do since he was a kid and not in LA. Cause terrifying. Um, but when moving up here, I think he really liked the idea of just kind of engaging that, going through it, seeing what he could do, pushing himself and serving the community. He's always been very – he loves to help and he loves to be of service. And I think it really fed a really lovely side of him in that way that, you know, being in tech and being in music is just different. It's just like – it's a totally different side of your whole self.
0: So. Well, I know a podcast that could use some help. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the what's the plan for the movie going forward it's shot and it's in the can mm-hmm. what next?
1: yeah, so we just finished it last week um Congrats thank you um next week we're doing a little um private casting crew screening just so everyone who is a part of it can see it and then we're submitting to festivals um, right now and starting to submit to sales agents and distributors and kind of the next step is going to see like what festivals accept us and we'll do a festival premiere and kind of do a run of some festivals and then hopefully get picked up, you know, by distribution from there and, and then we'll find out, are we going theatrical or are we just going to Netflix? Or are we going and then we can tell everybody where they can watch it and hopefully many people will and hopefully they'll like it.
0: <laughs> nice. Have you thought about having a screening on the island?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, we're like I said, we're going to do this, this, uh, sort of private cast and crew screening just because we can't premiere it before it has its festival premiere. Mm-hmm. um publicly but once that's happened absolutely um the linwood theater already offered um doing you know awesome. a premiere in um bima we'd love to do a screening there since we shot there um so yeah we'll have some fun you know putting it in a few places around the island once we can do that and maybe even you know i'll see i would love to play it at the rose or at the starlight room it's like my favorite place have you been there in Starlet. port townsend oh no so they have this cute little theater called the Rose, which is very much like the Linwood Theater, old historic theater. And then upstairs, <clears throat> they open this space called the Starlight Room. And it's at the top of one of – sorry.
0: <clears throat> Take five.
1: It's at the top of one of these old Victorian buildings and the whole space. It's so before the movie starts, all the curtains are open and you're on these Victorian couches looking out at the city. And then they close it all up and they play the movie and you can have drinks and from the bar and snacks. It's just a really cute. Experience.
0: kind of like a movie tavern,
1: yeah. What's a movie tavern?
0: Wow, good question. Um, in New York, when I go there, we usually hit this place and it's called the movie tavern, and they're recliners, cup holders, a little uh, keypad so you can order your drinks and food during the movie. And oh, yeah, then your feet kick up, and
1: it's like the uh, Alamo Drafthouse theaters, right? not similar. I don't know, I don't know. But yes, like that, except Victorian Port Towns and e Very cool. Yeah. So I recommend it for a date night with your wife. It okay. is lovely.
0: <laughs> Wifey, going on a date. Oh. We went on one last night. It was kind of exciting. It's been a minute.
1: Yeah, good. <laughs> Those are important.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got out there in the world. Um, well, Rachel, um, how can people support or follow your journey?
1: Yeah. Um for the moment, as we're kind of waiting to hear back about festivals and such, uh, you can follow us on Instagram, um, at Ingress film. We're posting updates there. And, um, Melody Maletsky, who she's a wonderful, she's an artist who lives on the Island and she's also a very accomplished, um, social media strategist. And she's been helping us with just our incredible social media campaign. So she's posting, uh, lots of cool stuff. And so it's a way to kind of just keep abreast of where we are. And as soon as we can, um, you know, tell you where to watch it. Uh, it'll be there and everywhere. And watch the it. space. Watch the space.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for coming in and telling me a little bit about your project. I'm looking forward to seeing it, and hopefully looking forward to you having lots of success with it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> My pleasure. We, we've been talking with Rachel James um, here on the Bystander Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be kind.